This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics, all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to our To The Point Podcast. This is our year-end edition. This is Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb Pitts in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me Stacy Barrow, our ERISA attorney. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Sarah. Good morning. So thanks for joining us for our last edition of the year. And um, I can't believe that 2018 is already drawing to a close and we're about to jump into a new year. But we want to take time to look back over the major benefits compliance issues that have marked the year and to anticipate what may be to come. So I know that um, you've got some some thoughts prepared on this. What were the most notable compliance events or issues of the past several months? Sure. So, you know, kind of hitting on the the big ticket items, I I guess we'll start with the one um, that we learned about at the beginning of 2018, and that was the repeal of the individual mandate as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, We'll probably talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the Texas versus U.S. lawsuit. And I guess to be technical, it wasn't actually a repeal, rather just a zeroing out of the individual mandate penalty, the individual mandate itself still remains on the books. But this was a a pretty big political win for the president. I think a lot of conservatives uh, viewed the individual mandate as unconstitutional. And so this was our our big news for um, late December of 2017 and January of 2018. And uh, that individual mandate repeal or zeroing out of the penalty goes into effect uh, January 1st of uh, 2019. Other notable um, events from this year, uh, one of them was the Continuing Appropriations Act um, passed, uh, I think it was around March of this year. And um, this actually had more important benefits provisions, I think, than the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, The Appropriations Act uh, delayed the Cadillac tax an additional two years from 2020 until 2022. So that 40% tax on the value of high uh, cost health coverage um, won't be coming into effect until at least 2022, um, if it ever comes into effect. Um, We also saw the health insurance industry tax suspended for 2019, and that is a tax that applies to fully insured medical, dental, and vision plans. Um, We had high hopes this year for some expanded HSA legislation to make it through the House and the Senate. Um, There were a couple of bills that passed the House of Representatives that would have significantly expanded um, access to HSAs and would also have given us some other changes to health FSAs. And unfortunately, neither of those bills ever made it past the Senate. I'm not even sure if they ever were really seriously considered there. Maybe they'll retake them up or retake them um, after the new year, uh, but there's not going to be any movement on those HSA bills um, in 2018. 
Um, we saw midterm elections this year. Uh, Democrats took control of the House of Representatives, gained nearly 40 seats, a pretty big um, uh, pickup of seats, although not entirely unexpected. Uh, whenever a new party, a new president comes into power um, in the first midterm elections, that president's party usually loses about 25 or 30 seats, which is basically what happened here um, in the House. Uh, Republicans did maintain control of the Senate. They actually gained uh, a couple of seats, um, largely due to the fact that in 2018, Republicans did not have too many seats up for re-election. Democrats had nearly half of their seats up for re-election, and of course the that'll flip um, when um, the next interim um, election or next election comes up um, in 2020. Um, Democrats picked up about seven uh, governorships as well, um, and now we have a total of 37 states that have expanded Medicaid, so that uh, aspect of the ACA is also um, proving to be uh, pretty popular. Um, in terms of regulations, uh, we did see final regulations on association health plans as well as short-term limited duration insurance. Um, the association rules, they have been out for some time now. They were first effective in September of this year, and, and they even allow for associations to be self-funded going into 2019. You probably haven't seen a lot of action on these regulations. Um, due to existing state insurance laws that significantly limit the viability um, of these association plans. So we have seen a little bit of an increase in prevalence in terms of uh, chamber of commerce type plans, but we haven't seen you know, a ton of employers really wholesale adopting um, these association plans in part due to state regulation and in part due to carriers perhaps not really being all that interested in selling them. Um, Short-term limited duration insurance also, um, uh, basically we know these plans as mini-med plans and final regulations allow them to be sold um, for up to a 12-month duration renewable for three years and that's a change from the prior Obama era regulations that limited mini-med plans to a duration of no more than three months. Okay, so thanks for walking us through all of those events. There were several things that... Um uh, happened this year. And I guess a couple of them I had even forgotten about until you reminded me. But what do you think will be some of the notable events coming in the year? And I guess maybe the obvious one that we would want to address would be related to the recent ruling by the judge in Texas regarding the unconstitutionality of the ACA. Yeah, so um, something that might have come across your news feed uh, late Friday night, um, certainly an, an alarming headline to some, um, but it definitely got everybody's attention, and that was a federal district court judge down in Texas uh, basically striking down the entire ACA as unconstitutional. Um, it, it was simply a declaratory judgment. Um, he did, the judge did not issue an injunction along with that judgment. And so, you know, this is not anything that's immediately enforceable. The White House has even said that they intend to enforce the law as this case makes its way through the appeals process. Um, 
So you know, kind of really, really brief overview without getting too far into the weeds. Um, this case was uh, kicked off by Texas um, and a coalition of about 19 um, other states, um, basically arguing that because when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act zeroed out the individual mandate penalty, it can no longer be considered a tax. Um, and in their logic, the only reason the ACA was being propped up is because the individual mandate was, in fact, a tax, um, as it was um, described and, and stated by the Supreme Court and the fact that it's found in the tax code. Um, and so the Supreme Court had previously upheld the ACA in 2012 by saying that the individual mandate was basically a legitimate use of Congress's taxing power. Um, and so if you eliminate that tax penalty, then the argument is that, well, now the individual mandate is unconstitutional because it no longer raises any money for the government. And moreover, that means the entire ACA should be unconstitutional and struck down. And so this um, judge in Texas agreed with that argument. Um, he found that uh, you can no longer fairly read the individual mandate to be an exercise of Congress's taxing power. It's still illegal under the interstate commerce clause and his estimation. And so, you know, ergo, the whole thing is unconstitutional. Um, a number of states, Massachusetts, New York, and California, have intervened to defend the law. Um, and their argument is that if Congress wanted to repeal the law, they would have done so, and they never had the votes to do so. The congressional record of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is very clear that Congress was voting only to eliminate the individual mandate penalty, and the record does indicate that they did not intend to strike down the entire ACA. Um, if you recall, you know, the ACA has survived um, at least 70 attempts to repeal it. Um, it survived two visits to the Supreme Court as well, and we expect that it'll survive this one too in time. Um, while the Supreme Court lineup has changed a little bit, all five of the justices who upheld the ACA in 2012 are still on the bench. Um, and we think that it's pretty <laughs> unlikely um, that a, the Supreme Court is going to strike down a law as expansive as the ACA, particularly when it's been in place for nearly nine years and it affects millions of people. Um, and even some of the law's, law's most staunchest critics um, were not a big fan of the, uh, the court's interpretation of the severability issue. And I'll, I'll go on record now. I don't think this case will get past the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a very conservative circuit, circuit will look at this and say, you know, this is not the way um, the severability clause works, um, and they'll, they'll remand this back down. I don't think it'll even get to the Supreme Court. Um, and that's what all that that's my prediction for this particular case so um, at the end of the day the law is still in full effect it remains the law for the foreseeable future you do need to continue to comply with the ACA including the employer mandate and the associated reporting requirements unfortunately 
Well, thanks for that explanation. I think those were some really good points um, in regards to, you know, where it will probably go at this point. So we've got you on record so we can come back and see (laughs) if you called it. Um, Okay, so are there any other things that we should look for in 2019 in regards to things you've already touched on or just any other things that you think might come to pass? Well, (laughs) I hesitate to break out my crystal ball. it's it's and hard to you say. You gave us the, your prediction. <laughs> yeah, although, well, I think that I, mean, I do think the, the the legal issues are 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 suspect, as is some of the legal reasoning that the, the judge in Texas employed. Um, I'll I'll give you a couple of predictions. I think we'll see some guidance on um, qualified transportation fringe programs under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We actually even saw a little bit of guidance in in December on that. Um, we're also anticipating some more guidance on issues arising under the employer mandate, as well as possibly some proposed regulations on the Cadillac tax. Even though it's still delayed until 2022, we may see some notices and proposed regulations um, trying to get some uh, ideas from stakeholders on how best to implement that requirement. Well, thanks so much for your insight. We always appreciate it. And, um, all the different points and and perspectives that you have to draw on to share. So um, if you are interested in in more on any of these topics, you have questions on any of these topics, you want to talk with me or with Stacy, you can always reach out to me, Sarah Gillespie, S-A-R-A-H-G at LPinsurance.com. And I'd be happy to connect you with Stacy or help answer your questions. Well, thanks so much for joining this podcast. We hope that you found this um, helpful and all of our other podcasts as well. Please continue to listen in the future and let us know if you have anything uh, that you'd like to hear about. Thanks so much.